In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us how to experience the benefits of living under God's rule and in His will. This message is the third in the series, Pray. The message is entitled, How to Live in God's Will. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Obviously, prayer is a very important activity in our spiritual life. It's a part of uh, what we do to connect with God, to communicate with God. It's how we begin to develop and form our relationship with Him. And as you study the life and ministry of Jesus, you see that prayer was very important to him. In fact, one of the routines of Jesus' life was the fact that he prayed. He prayed consistently. He prayed daily. And as his disciples would watch him pray, they would often wonder how to pray effectively themselves. In fact, one day, one of his disciples actually asked Jesus the question or made the request of him, Lord, teach us to pray. And in response to this request made by this disciple, Jesus gave us what we know to be the Lord's Prayer. And I'm sure that you perhaps have uh, memorized portions, if not all, the Lord's Prayer, maybe in Sunday school or as a part of a uh, catechism class you're in at some point in time or something that uh, goes back to your childhood. But at some point you've heard or memorized a portion of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Well, actually, the Lord's Prayer is more than just a prayer the Lord prayed. It is a prayer that He gave to us. Let me read this for you in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 9 down through verse number 13. Again, this is known as the Lord's Prayer. Pray like this. Again, this is in response to Jesus' request to teach us to pray. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, obviously, if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, you'll recognize that I'm reading from a different translation, perhaps, and you're familiar with it's a New Living Translation, but it brings life, I think, to uh, this essence of prayer that Jesus calls us to. Uh, I truly believe, and I think a lot of Bible teachers believe this as well and teach accordingly, that the Lord's Prayer was not so much a prayer for us to memorize and recite, certainly nothing wrong with memorizing and reciting it, as much as it is a model prayer, a way that we are to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed or honored be your name. And then he says, here's your first point of prayer, your kingdom come, God, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus taught us that after giving praise to God and honor to God, which is what we talked about last weekend, the importance of learning how to praise God in prayer, how to focus our attention upon God in prayer, the very next thing he taught us to pray about was the rule of God or the kingdom of God and the will of God being done in our lives. So I want to talk to you today about four things uh, in prayer that will help you to find your way into the will of God and the value of that, the importance of it. The first thing I believe that Jesus was teaching us as a part of this aspect of prayer in verse number 10, to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is to understand that heaven is a real place and heaven has real resources. See, prayer always starts by moving us from earth to heaven. This is important to understand. And Jesus in prayer was drawing our attention away from the inadequacies, the insufficiencies of earth 
and pointing us toward the riches of heaven. That's a very important thing to understand. See, life is really a hopeless existence. There's not much hope for us if all we have are the resources represented by our earthly resources. But Jesus points us beyond the earth to heaven. He wants us to get a vision of heaven. Prayer lifts our vision from earth to heaven. And so Jesus taught us to pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to talk just for a moment about these two phrases or words, kingdom and will. May your kingdom come and may your will be done. The word kingdom is a word that we're usually not very familiar with in our, in our culture, but it's a word that represents the rule or the authority of a king. That's all it means, the rule or the authority of a king. And so heaven, the rule and authority of God is fully done. So it's the kingdom of heaven. It is the kingdom of God. That is, God's will is always done in heaven. Uh, the only time that we see a rebellion against God's will in heaven was when Lucifer rebelled against God and God cast him out of heaven along with all the angelic host, one-third of the angels that rebelled with Lucifer. And so heaven was purged of rebellion. And so there is complete uh, submission to, commitment to God's will being done in heaven. His rule exists there. And the will of God simply represents the desires or the wants of God, that what God desires and wants is fully done in heaven. Now, this is important to understand because it represents to us the reality that heaven is a legitimate and actual place. And so we have to understand this. When you and I think about prayer, we have to think about prayer coming from earth to heaven, and as we'll talk about in a moment, bringing heaven to our earth. And so I want you to think today with me about heaven being a real place of unlimited power, of unlimited resources, a place that everything that you will ever need is present there. So Jesus wants us to come to prayer with an awareness that heaven is a place where God has plentiful resources. So when we come to God in prayer, we come with a focus from earth to heaven. We turn our attention away from what's happening here on the earth, and we look toward heaven, and we're saying, God, I want the resources of heaven to be applied to my life, applied to my world. And so it starts with that reality. reality. Heaven is a real place, has real resources, unlimited power, unlimited resources for everything that we have need of. Now, the second thing I'd like to share with you today about uh, this prayer, this aspect of prayer, is that God, very important here, that God wants heaven to come to your earth. That's why he says to pray that God's kingdom would come and God's will would be, would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is the heart of God for you. He wants his kingdom, his will to come from heaven to earth. He wants to bring his will to your world. Now, this is extremely important because in declaring that, what he's saying is that God wants to actually bless you. He wants to bring his blessings of heaven into your world, to release the resources of heaven into your earth. Now, when we, when we talk about wanting God's will or God's resources, it's important to realize why we need it. Why do we want the will of God? Why do we need the resources of God in our world? Let me share with you six reasons why you need God's will to be done in your life, why you need 
heaven to come to your earth. I'll give you six very important reasons. These are on your notes, and so I hope you'll look at them with me, and let's take a look at them together. First of all, we have to understand we need God's will because God is able to see the end from the beginning. See, you and I can't see the end from the beginning, and so we need a wise God, and we need His will so that we are are, are trusting our lives to someone who can see beyond the limited scope that we see in. And so when you pray for God's will to be done, what you're actually doing is you're actually actually asking God, God to come with his vision for your life that sees the end from the beginning. You can't figure it out, but God can. And then we, we ask for God's will because God is able, second of all, to help us live the way he created us to live. See, God created you to live a certain way. He, he, he has capacities for you and he has abilities for you, but you need his help to do it. I need his help to do it. And so we pray for his will to come into our lives so that we can actually be everything that he created us to be. The third reason is because we need to be guided into the fulfillment of our highest purpose and our highest potential. That if we're living in the will of God, then what happens is our highest purpose for life, see, God made you for a purpose. God created you for a reason. God created you with potential. But that is not realized until his will is at work in and through you. And so there's this awareness of saying, God, I need you to come and fulfill in me what you created me to be and to allow my purpose and potential to be realized. The fourth reason is because it helps to remove from us when God's will comes to our lives. It removes from us the impurities, the influences that might hinder us, things that get in the way. God, you know, there are things in my life that if I'm going to be everything you want me to be, these things are going to limit me. They're going to keep me from being all that I want to be in you and all that you want me to be. And so in prayer, as God's will comes, it drives away those things from our lives. It helps keep us, keeps us from decisions and situations that would diminish our potential, and it helps to release. This is so important. It helps to release the supernatural resources to us that will enable us to live at a heavenly level. God is able to get to you everything that you need. There's nothing more important, nothing more powerful than actually living in the will of God. Let's take a look at some scriptures that help us to see the value and the benefits of living under God's rule and living in his will. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says, why don't we read this together? Would you read it aloud and loudly with me across all of our campuses? A very powerful verse. Let's read together. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Notice that the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the will of God is not about the the rules of mankind, eating and drinking. I'm not going to go into that in this message, but here's what it is about. God's rule is about righteousness. That's the right way to live. Peace, which is what you and I want, uh, perhaps above anything else to be able to live in peace. And then joy, a joyous life, provided for and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's the result of the will of God. Notice Mark chapter 3, verse 35, what Jesus said about the will of God. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. In other words, Jesus said, if you're living in my will, you're part of my family. You're able to experience the benefits of being a part of the family structure, the family environment. And then John 4, 34, then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Jesus said that the thing that fulfills me more than anything else 
is to know that I'm doing the Father's will. And I'll tell you the same thing will be true for you, that when you get into the flow of God's will for your life, there's nothing more fulfilling than to be in the flow of what God wants your life to be. And prayer helps you to get into the flow of that will. And that's really the third point that I want to draw to your attention today. And that's that experiencing heaven on earth actually is going to require something of you. It requires your personal engagement. So heaven is a real place. And God wants to bring his heaven into your earth, but to experience heaven coming into your earth, you've got to be involved in the process. You've got to engage in some things. See, although there are benefits to it, you're you're not going to realize the benefits unless you're engaged in the process. The reason is because they're, they're active forces that get in the way of God's will. Just like God has a will, there are things that would block God's will, and there are things that we can do that will put us outside of God's will. And the Bible is very clear about the fact that just because we say that there is a will of God and know that there is a will of God, it doesn't mean that we're always living in it. Take a look at the scriptures in John chapter 10, verse 10, what Jesus says here. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. Jesus said that if we're not careful, things can be stolen from us and things can be killed in and around us and destroyed in us that would not be God's will. But Jesus said, I've come that you can have life that's the will of God for your life and have it abundantly. Ephesians 6, 11, and 12 talks again about this, this battle, this struggle, this personal engagement that we have to be involved in to experience God's will. He says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities and of, of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Here Paul's talking talking to believers like you and me, and he's saying you've got to understand that as you're here in the earth, you're fighting a battle. There's struggles that you're going to face with, with demonic entities, and I'll come to that in a moment and describe it again for you, but we're in a battleground, and because we're in a battleground, many things would try to stand in the way of you experiencing God's will in your own life, and God's will in your family, and God's will with your children, and God's will in your finances, and God's will in your business. There are things that actually spiritually oppose dark things that will try to keep you from experiencing the best God has for you. 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter talks about this very same thing, this, this spiritual battle that we're in. He says, be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour, some victim to eat up or to drown or to pull down and to grab a hold of and keep away from, from God's best for their life. And so again, we're, uh, Paul describes and Peter describes this battle that we're in. And so there's this warfare that we have to experience and we go through in our spiritual journey. Verse John 2, 15 through 17 continues to describe some of these things that are in the way of God's will that we have to pray our way through. Notice his words here in 15 through 17 of 1 John chapter 2. Stop loving this evil world and all that it offers you. For when you love the world, you show that you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the lust for physical pleasure, the lust for everything we see, and pride in our possessions. These are not from the Father. They are from this evil world. And this world is fading away along with everything it craves. But if you do the will of God, notice this, if you do the 
will of God, you will live forever. And so here there's this statement that there are things opposed to the will of God, the world out here trying to pull us away from God's will, our own sinful nature, our flesh trying to pull us away from God's will, the devil trying to pull us away from God's will. So our choice is whether we will live in the will of God or choose to live outside of the will of God. In Galatians 5, Paul again talks about something that we struggle with in terms of our own sinful nature that can keep us from God's will. The old sinful nature, verse 17 of Galatians 5, the old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. Are you beginning to get the picture here? Here is God up in heaven. He has this perfect rule. He has a will that he wants for you, for your life, a perfect will for your life, plans and purposes for your life. And he wants to bring his will, his heaven, if you will, down into your earth. But as we're here on earth, we're in this battleground, okay? We're facing a battle with the world around us. We're facing a battle with our sinful nature within us, those things that would war against what God wants. And all of us know what it feels like to have that struggle of pulling towards sin instead of toward God. We've got a devil that we're fighting against. All these things are opposing God's rule and God's will in our life. And so we're in this battle. We're in this point of conflict that we're having to deal with and struggle with in an ongoing way. And that's why Jesus said, I want you to pray this way. You're in a battle. Pray this way. Pray that God's kingdom would be done and God's will would be done on earth just like it is in heaven. He says there's this possibility that my kingdom can come and my will can be done, but you've got to fight for it. You've got to pray for it. It's not going to happen unless you battle it out, unless you're in there in the process. Folks, that's why prayer is so important, because God wants to bring his heaven into your earth. God wants to invade your world with his will, and his will is the best thing you'll ever have for your life, but you and I have to learn to pray that will in, and that's the fourth thing I'd like to share with you today. Prayer is what brings heaven's resources and guides you into God's will. When you pray, very importantly, you You need to get this. Prayer is what actually brings to your life heaven's resources. And prayer is what actually guides you into God's will. If you're going to have the resources of heaven in your life, and if you're going to experience God's will, you have to learn how to pray. You have to be engaged in prayer. So prayer is a practice that you and I need to do. Now, how do we pray in God's will? How do we pray God's will into our lives? And this is where I want to get extremely specific with you. I want to take just a few moments. I'm going to share with you five ways to pray. And this is the heart of this weekend's message. I've sort of brought this to this point in the message for us. And I want you to see that when you pray, you can actually pray in and fight against everything that would oppose God's will. And you can pray God's will, God's rule into your life in these five ways. Here, here, here's the first thing. Number one, these are on your notes. Uh, take a look at them with me. Number one, you have to want God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done in you. You've got to truly want it. So you can't 
pray an insincere prayer. If you're going to pray for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done, it needs to be something that you've come to the realization of and the value of in your own life. You say, you know what? I want this more than anything else. I don't want my will. I want God's will. Do you remember Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? You know, that night before he's going to be crucified, and there he is, he's struggling with the fact that the next day he's going to be falsely accused again and crucified on the cross by the Romans. And so he's struggling with the intensity of this decision, and he prays this prayer, Father, if it be your will, let this cup, let this pain, let this suffering pass from me, but nevertheless not my will but yours be done. What was Jesus doing there in that moment? He was communicating to the Father his sincere desire. He said, God, I know what, the, what, what, what my flesh wants, what I feel like on the inside of my own own life but 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 lord i want what you want for me more than anything else and i will tell you that if you want god's will in your life uh, you have to really want it when you really want it god will meet you at that point if you're playing around with god it's a very dangerous thing you don't want to play around with god you want to be sincere with him and truly want what he wants for your life the second thing is to make sure that you stand against anything that opposes god's rule and will so when you pray when you kneel down to pray, you kneel down and say, God, I'm just going to take this moment with you. I, I just really want more than anything else. I want your will to be done in me. I want you to rule my life. I want you to rule everything about me. And God, right now as I'm praying, I'm just kind of showing you a practical way to do this. When I'm praying, God, I just want to take a stand right now against against the world's influence. I don't want the world to pull me in its direction. And God, I'm just making a declaration to you today as I'm praying, spending this time in prayer, that I'm, I don't want to live uh, like the world. And, and God, I don't want to let my own flesh, my own sinful desires pull me away from you. And God, I don't want anything that the, that the enemy, the devil is trying to do against me to distract me from your will. And so you make an authoritative, firm stand to say, God, I belong to you. It's a great thing when you kneel down to pray just to declare again to God, God, I am yours. I don't want to belong to the world. I don't want to live according to myself. I don't want to live under the influence of darkness. I belong to you. And so you want God's kingdom and his will to come. And then you make a stand against anything that opposes God's rule and God's will in your life. Then thirdly, you need to invite God's kingdom into your relationships, into your responsibilities, and into your circumstances. You say, well, how do I do that? Let me see if I can explain this for you. Again, I want this to be extremely practical. Let's say that you're, you're taking a time in your, in your day. Maybe it's in your morning or in your evening or sometime. It's 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes out of your day. You're going to spend some time praying. And you kneel down. You start by praising God for who He is, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And then you, you begin to move into this part of prayer. May your kingdom come and may your will be done. And you pray, God, I, I just ask today. First of all, I want you to know, Father, that I want your will more than anything else. And, Lord, I, I'm standing against today anything that would be opposed to your will, anything in the world around me that's trying to influence me or anything in my own life that is sinful and anything of the enemy that, that he's trying to do in my life. And now, Lord, I begin to pray right now into the circles of my life. I pray that your will would be done, starting with my own relationship with you. God, I'm asking that today I would be sensitive to your voice, that today I would be responsive to your word. I pray that you would guide me today. Help my feet to go where they need to go. Help my hands to be engaged in the things that my hands need to be engaged in. Lord, help my mind to think the thoughts that are 
honorable and pleasing to you. Help my ears to only hear those things that I need to hear today that are honorable to you. Help my mouth to speak those things. So you begin to pray that God's will would be done in you. And then you, if you're married, for example, you begin to pray for your spouse. Lord, I'm praying for my spouse today that that by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would just let your will be done in their lives. Maybe it's your children now. You begin to pray over them. I pray for my sons, my daughters, my kids, my grandchildren. I pray over their lives that your kingdom, that your rule, that your will would be done. May you guide them and direct them into every step. You pray over your work environment that day. God, I'm asking you is that as I go to work today that you will will divinely guide my steps, divinely direct me into the things that I need to do. Give me wisdom on the projects that I'm working on and, and wisdom to know how to do the things that I need to do and do it well. Help me to show love to the people around you, around me, so that your your life may, co- may come through me. And so you just begin to pray. What I, I like to think of it as concentric circles of your life, starting with yourself. You're praying God's will in your own life and then your family and then your extended family and then your friends and your work and then pray for your church and your church ministry and leaders. Pray for our nation. And so you can concentrically begin to move outwardly to pray God's kingdom and God's will in a number of different ways. I will tell you, that part of prayer alone, you can get so caught up in that aspect of prayer and enjoy it so much that you can spend you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes just in that area. You may not necessarily do that as you get started, but over time, that aspect of your life will grow. And so you're inviting God's kingdom into these relationships and responsibilities and circumstances, anything that you're aware of that needs the influence of heaven coming into earth, you pray over. Then the the fourth thing I would say to you in that regard is you need to turn away from any known areas of disobedience to God's will. Always remember that if you're, you can't pray for God's will and then make the choice to live in a way that's contrary to God's will. If you know there's something in your life that's not pleasing to God, in this part of your prayer, go ahead and deal with it. Ask ask God to help you to overcome it. Lay it aside. Turn away from it. That's called repentance. It's saying, God, I don't want to live this way anymore. So anything in you that is opposite to the will of God, make sure that you are dealing with it. And then I would tell you on the final thing in your life here as a part of this aspect of prayer is proclaim the release of God's kingdom blessings and benefits into your life and your relationships and your circumstances and all these areas. God, now that I've prayed this, I thank you. I expect that you're going to show up in my day today. I thank you that you're going to show up in my life. I thank you that you're going to show up in my marriage. You're going to show up in my children. You're going to show up in my business. I thank you that as I prayed this way that I can anticipate and expect you to release resources into my life today, to release resources into the lives of other people, to release blessing and help and power and favor into the circumstances that I'm dealing with. I thank you that you're going to guide my steps today because I prayed for your kingdom to come and I prayed for your will to be done. So vital to thank God that he's at work in this realm of your life, that he he indeed has heard your prayer and he is answering. The, The Apostle Paul understood the power of praying God's kingdom and God's will into circumstances and situations that he encountered. I want to take you, as I'm wrapping up today, to one final story in the Bible that will really illustrate the power of prayer. I want you to see that when you pray this way, it'll make a difference. It can change everything. It can change your day dramatically. It can change your life dramatically. It might happen in a day, and one day it might happen over a period of time. But when you pray this way, things change. 
The story is found in Acts chapter 16. It's the story of Paul and Silas, and they were in a place called Philippi, and they had delivered a slave girl from a demon, and the owners of that slave girl had become very upset with them because they had lost their way of making money. And so there's this agitation that occurs. And let me pick up the story in Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 22, and I'll read down through verse 33. And I want you to see the power of praying heaven into earth. Notice what it says here. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So he took no chances but put them in the, in, into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas, notice this, what were they doing? They were praying. Yes, say that word with me. What were they doing? They were praying, and they were also singing hymns to God. And so it was a, what we might call a prayer and praise service. So they're praying to God, they're praising God, and the other prisoners were listening. And so here they are in a situation that is very ugly. It's very negative. I think for most of us that we've been thrown into the inner prison of a dungeon and locked in there for something we had actually not, not done anything wrong, actually tried to help a person, ended up in that kind of trouble, most of us would have been grumbling and complaining, but not Paul and Silas. They were praying. They were praying heaven into their earth. They were singing songs of praise to God. And everybody is astounded. All the other prisoners are listening because they'd never heard this kind of thing before. It's just not what you expect to hear from a prisoner in in an inner dungeon after they've been beaten. And notice verse 26. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Don't do it. We are all here. Trembling with fear, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down before Silas, Paul and Silas. He brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with your entire household. Then they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. That same hour the jailer washed their wounds and he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. This is an amazing story because Paul and Silas there in that moment literally prayed heaven into their earth. They were in this horrible circumstance, their horrible situation, beaten and, and, and stocks and bonds, if you will, in that inner dungeon. And they're bleeding and they're hurting. But in the midst of their pain and difficulty, they said, God, we're asking that your kingdom would come. Your rule would come. Your will would be done in this situation. And they're praising God because they know that God's going to show up. And God did show up in a, with a mighty earthquake. He shook that prison cell. The doors came open, not only for Paul and Silas, but for all the prisoners. The Philippian jailer came to that place of realizing he needed, his, he needed a relationship with Christ. And the doors were open from that to his, for his whole household to come to faith in Christ to be baptized all because Paul and Silas prayed for God's will to be done for heaven to come to earth. 
Dear one, I want to tell you something. You never know what can happen, what will happen in your life as you begin to pray this way. You'll begin to pray, God, I'm asking that your kingdom come into my life. Your kingdom come into my family. Your kingdom, your kingdom and will come into my children, into my finances, into my business, into my responsibilities. When you begin to pray this way, God brings power from heaven, and it not only rocks your world in a good way, it can rock in a good way the world of people around you and radically change people's lives. It's asking for God's will to be done on earth just like it's done in heaven. Heaven is a real place with real resources, and God wants to bring heaven to your earth. Experiencing heaven on earth is going to require something of you. You've got to engage. You've got to pray. You've got to fight the battle because there are things that will withstand the will of God in your life, but you can pray your way through it. As the old folks used to say, you can pray your way through to a breakthrough in your life. And then prayer is the very thing that will bring God's resources to your life and guide you into God's will. And I will tell you, there's no better place to be than in the will of God, and you can pray your way there. Let's pray together and ask God to do that in our lives. Make this a part of your commitment daily in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have this weekend to, 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 to focus on your word, to be reminded of the power of prayer, praying your will into our lives, praying your kingdom into our lives. And I pray, Lord, for every person today. I pray that in the name of Jesus, the Lord, as we begin to pray this way, as we pray the Jesus way, as we learn to pray that your kingdom would come and your, your will would be done in our earth just like it is in heaven, we pray that you would bring about the suddenly moments in our lives as well, just like you did for Paul and Silas. Let there be massive, mighty breakthroughs. Let there be things that in a powerful and positive way rock our world and rock the world of people around us as we see heaven coming to earth. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. 
And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.